right, everybody get your Bibles. Let's get started with our confession. You have your Bibles ready, say I'm ready. I'm ready. Let's recite it together. Here we go. With my Bible in my hand, I am ready. I don't hear nobody. Let's start over. With my Bible in my hand, I am ready to receive the word of God. I believe what it says about me. I am more than a conqueror and walk in abundant life. The word of God produces obedience in my ears. I'm sorry. The word of God in my ears produces faith. In my heart produces obedience. And from my mouth produces life. With faith, obedience, and life, I am victorious in Jesus' name. Amen. Y'all just got to excuse me. I don't have my glasses on. All right. Let's uh, turn to your Bibles to the book of Mark chapter 11. I'm going to tell you, uh, just so I have not been, I'm kind of kooky this morning. I have not been to sleep yet. I was up all night long, and I think it was initially because I took a nap and then just going over the word of God again just really had me amped up so I couldn't go to sleep. Uh, Mark chapter 11, verse 23. Uh, we're going to talk today from the, uh, the subject, I'm in it to win it. I, I'm in it to win it. Mark chapter 11, verse 23. If you don't have the Bible, it's up on the screen for you. It says this, watch this. For verily I say unto you that whosoever shall say unto this mountain... Be thou removed and be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but shall believe that those things which he said shall come to pass. He shall have whatsoever he saith. I want to talk about again, I'm in it to win it. It's quiet in here. I'm in it to win it. You can have a seat. Before I get started, let me tell you, welcome to 2016. This is the first Sunday in 2016. 16, and the truth is, there's no doubt that we are blessed to be here. I asked the Lord what he wanted me to, I guess, present as an overall theme for the year, what he wanted Breakthrough to understand as a barometer about this year. And the word that I heard from the Lord was the word shalom. The word shalom um, essentially means peace. But in truth, it also means nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, all is well. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken, all is well. And before I get into the text, I said this is the overall message that God wants wanted me to share about what 2016 is supposed to be for you. But before I get into the message, I, I want you to understand that the reason that you had to deal with some of the missing things, some of the lacking things, some of the broken things this last year was so you could appreciate the spirit of Shalom. Uh, we don't often recognize how good it is to have peace if our peace ain't never been destroyed. Uh, there's an old saying is that you don't miss something until it's gone. Uh, there's a, an old idea that you don't appreciate 
what you had until you lose it. And so when God spoke the word to me, Shalom, uh, he really did so in a way to remind me, because I've told you the last couple of weeks, 2015 has been hell for me. And there's been some good things, and I'm not complaining, but the truth is there's been some bad things uh, that's happened uh, for me in 2015. And the Lord said, Shalom. He said, there's peace. Whatever's been missing, whatever been broken, whatever been lacking, that is no longer the case for 2016. And I want to share with you today that that's the message for you, that 2016 is your time of Shalom. When uh, we start this morning, get kind of into the text, we start this morning um, on a new series that's called The Game. Do y'all like the, the graphic for um, uh, uh, the, the series that I do every month? Y'all never come in. Nobody ever comments about if it's cute. I think it's cute. Ain't nobody said nothing. It's cute. Make a brother feel like it ain't appreciated. Then he can go and get a graphic done. Okay? Anyway, thank you, baby. That's my roadie right there. She goes, she's the ride or die. She go with me all the way. Thank you, honey. I'll talk to y'all soon. <laughs> so uh, we're talking about the game, how to get started and win. And here's the truth of the matter. If you don't realize that life is a game, you say, no, man, God, life ain't no game. Uh, before you tune me out, let me see if I can help you figure it out. Uh, looking at the word game from a noun, uh, it, it means a game is a physical or mental activity or contest that has rules. Well, do you have to think? Do you have to uh, uh, put in some effort to make it work? Can you just lay around and hope it all happens and, and fall in place? Well, uh, Kayla's going, because mm -hmm, mm -hmm. you ain't got no job. You ain't got no bills. <laughs> But if there's an adult in here that uh, think that it's that easy, let me tell you, that's not what it is. So I, I think we can mark check off of that. If we look at the word gain from an adjective, it is be willing already to proceed. You say, well, what, how does that have to do with it? Uh, have you heard the expression, I'm game to try a new restaurant? I, I think we can probably mark off check that it fits the category of an, uh, uh, an adjective. Uh, as a verb, it, it, it means to play for a stake. In other words, it has to cost you something. How many decisions have you made that's cost you something? Good or bad, you got to pay for some of the mistakes you made, some of the decisions you made, some of the choices you made. There is a cost associated with that. There's some folks that have had kids with a man or a woman that you attached to and you go, oh my God, why did I get attached to that person? There's a cost to that. She laughing. What you laughing for? Your kids is by me. What are you trying to say? I'm just trying to get an understanding. That's wrong. So, so what I'm saying, so, 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 so there's some consequences. But the problem with how we understand the concept of the game is that we understand the concept, but not the construct. Let me see if I can fix it. There are some folks who think they know how to play dominoes. They understand the concept of the game of where you can match the numbers. You put them in. But, but if all you're doing is matching numbers and never exercising any strategy, it's clear you might know the concept, but you might not understand the construct. 
Everybody that sits at the table can match a number, but they can't play dominoes. And so when you understand that if you're ever going to be successful at anything that you do in life, it's that you have to learn more than just the concept of life. You have to understand the construct of life. I have an announcement today. Some of you have been losing because your idea about life has been wrong. You've been playing this game of life the wrong way. Life has been playing chess and you've been playing checkers. The rules don't operate the same. And as a result, you have not gotten out of life what you have desired because you understand the concept of it, but not the construct of it. And so when we consider this text, this text uh, in uh, John, uh, uh, Luke chapter 11, uh, John 11, whatever it was, when we consider the text, there was something that I have overlooked. And I have preached this text a thousand times all across the country. And it became a revelation to me as I was preparing for the message. There is within this text an incredible and an amazing construct to living that without it, it's the difference between surviving and thriving. Jesus tells them, watch what the text says. Let me go back to the slide so you can see it on the screen. Jesus tells them something incredibly uh, interesting. He says to them, whosoever shall say unto this mountain, be thou removed, be cast into the sea, and shall not doubt in his heart, but believe those things which he says shall come to pass, he shall have whatsoever he said. I preached this a countless time, and I never understood something Jesus did. Jesus told them to speak to the mountain. And I said, hmm. The natural approach to a mountain is the climb. But Jesus said, speak to them. You never hear in the news of someone being recognized as a great mountain speaker. You have never saw a news report of someone being held as someone special because they gave a great mountain speech. But we do hear reports all the time. I think the folks are crazy, but that's my personal opinion, of folks whose goal it is to climb the top and the highest mountain, despite the possibility of freezing cold and death. They go out and they climb mountains so the whole world to know, and they put a flag up there and they celebrate that they did the craziest thing known to man. You have a perfectly level ground and you want to climb a mountain. And they give folks awards for that. But Jesus said, I'm not interested in you climbing Mount this or conquering Mount that. What I am asking and telling and instructing you to do is not to climb it, but speak to it. But watch this. We've grown up in church where there are church songs which extols the virtue of mountain climbing. Let me give you a couple. I'm coming up. The rough side of the mountain. Have you heard it before? Pooby, what you doing? There's another one. Lord, don't move my mountain. But she fine. But give me 
the strength to climb. Somewhere we misunderstood the directions of the master because we assumed he was just kidding when he said to us to talk to a mountain because that seems strange. We don't have to uh, 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 worry about our belief, though. And this is the thing that got me as I was preparing this. What God said is, I don't need you to substitute what you think I'm saying. I just need you to do what I'm saying. Because we think, well, maybe he didn't mean that we should literally speak to him, so we'll find something else. But then God said, "Ah, I want you to see something. Isaiah 55, watch what this said. My thoughts are not your thoughts. Neither my ways, your ways, said the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts higher than your thoughts. Essentially, God was saying, don't rely on your thinking, mine is better. So if we're going to win, the first thing we, we say we enter to win, and that's the title, if we enter to win, it, if we're going to win, the first thing we have to understand is that God's thoughts are about things are better than ours. God does not need us to try to figure stuff out. He just needs us to do what he said. And so part of the problem I think that we experience in life, it's the same problem. I use it as an example all the time because it's true, but the same problem that Moses and Sarah had, I'm sorry, Abraham and Sarah had. They thought they were too old to have a child. Even though God says to Abraham, what do you want? He said, I want a child. God said, okay, I'll give you a child. And so what he does, he was like, oh, well, clearly uh, I'm, uh, Sarah's too old about children. She's 80. There's no way she could possibly have a child. So him and Sarah talked about God said he was going to give us a child. So uh, what are we going to do because you're old? Sarah said, well, I have an idea. How about you go in with Hagar, my maid, and y'all have a baby? But what happens every single time we try to subvert God's will for our own, trying to help him out, we end up with an Ishmael instead of an Isaac. God's promise was never, and this is what they did. You've read it. You've heard it before. This is what Abraham then did. We screwed up. We got Ishmael. Oh God, that Ishmael might live before thee. In other words, God changed your mind about putting the promise with Ishmael. God says, no, because I never intended for there to be an Ishmael. You made a decision to do something because you thought that your thinking was better than mine. So God does not need us to try to figure it out. Watch this. God is so invested in our success that he even says this. He says that I will direct your path. And even when it gets dark, he goes on to say that my words will be a lamp unto your feet and a light unto your pathway. In other words, God was saying there will never be an opportunity whether you can see or not that you have to not find my will because I'm going to direct you to it. So God has this thing figured out. He does need our help. God's thoughts are not our thoughts. But here's what I want to ask you. When you think about some of the stuff that you have, some of the stuff you in, some of the stuff you do, what do you think God is thinking about? Because here's the deal. We make justification for the things we want. 
We say, oh, here's a classic churchy comment. God knows my heart. We use that to excuse everything. We don't do the stuff we're supposed to do. And when somebody bring it up or when we start feeling guilty about it, we want to say, God knows my heart. Well, of course he does, but he also knows your head. And your head told you to do something other than what your heart should have directed you to do. Because the Bible says that where your heart is, that's where God is supposed to be. But we end up making excuses. Because we want to do it our way. We say, well, God, I didn't know. He says, yes, you do. You know how you know? You know if you pick up my word. Because I told you, what you don't know, you don't have to walk around in the blind. All you got to do is open the word because my word is a lamp unto your feet. Amen. And a light unto your pathway. So, so there are no excuses. So if you're going to have a year of shalom, you're going to have to have God's eyes on what you're doing and his ways in your mind. Because he, he sees your relationships, your finances, your prayer, your service, your commitment, your honor, your loyalty, your devotion. If you're in it to win it, it ought to be lined up with how he expects it to go. So I said the first thing is you have to understand that uh, God's ways are higher than our ways. He doesn't need us to try to help him figure it out. God don't need our assistance. God can do it all by himself. The second thing, though, is that everything, 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 let me say it again, everything has ears to hear, not just people. You say, that's not true. That's not true. Here's a question I'm going to pose before I prove it in the Bible. Why would he say talk to something? if that something didn't have the ability to hear. Why would he say talk to a rock if a rock didn't have the ability to hear? Everything has ears. Let me prove it to you. In the book of I, not Isaiah, in the book of Joshua chapter 24, verse 27, this is what Joshua says. He says, and Joshua said to all the people, behold, watch this, this stone shall be a witness against us. How is it going to be a witness, Joshua? For it has heard all the words the Lord uh, of the Lord that he spake to us. What? What? Joshua tells the people, behold, or look, or hello, this stone shall be a witness against us, for it has heard all the words of the Lord that he spoke to us. Now watch what he says. This stone shall be a witness against us. Think about a courtroom. Think about a courtroom scenario. If there is a witness against you, what that witness is testifying about is what they have direct knowledge of you doing in violation of what you should be doing. Watch this. Joshua says, this stone shall be a witness against us because he's heard. In other words, the stone heard what God said, but he saw what he did. Good God Almighty. Mm, 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 mm. The stone heard what we said, and he saw that we did something different, so he's going to tell God 
what he saw and what he heard. Joshua said the stones hear all the words of the Lord. This is a powerful principle because it demonstrates that everything has ears, even things that we don't believe, we don't see. This is specifically important. I'm going to tell you why. Because the mountain, remember Jesus said, if you shall say to this mountain, the reason why this is important is because this mountain is not just any mountain. This mountain that Jesus refers to in, uh, in, in the text, John chapter 11, is, called, is, is the Mount Olive, is the Mount Olive or the Mount of Olives, which is between, watch this, Bethany and Jerusalem. Let me see if I can help you. <laughs> this is the sick revelation. And Jesus says, there's a mountain, this mountain here, that you need to speak with, speak to. And, tell, and, be, and cast it into the midst of the sea. He said, this mountain, well, this mountain he's talking about sits in the middle of Bethany and Jerusalem. Bethany in the Greek means the house of misery. The house of misery. Bethany, mountain, Jerusalem. Jerusalem is the place of shalom. Let me see if I can help you. Ain't nobody, you missed it. Bethany, house of misery, mountain, Jerusalem, the house, the place of Shalom. They were traveling toward peace. They were stuck in the place of misery, traveling toward peace, and in the middle of their journey trying to get to peace was a mountain blocking their way. Let me tell you something. Jesus had to give them instructions on how to get anything that's blocking you from peace while you're standing in a place of misery. Anything that's blocking your peace, you got to get instructions on how to get rid of it. Let me tell you something. Your mountain might not be olive, but you got some mountains in your life that are the blockers between you getting from where you are to the place of peace, and God says, today, you need to speak to it. That the reason why you haven't made it to where you're trying to go is because you've been trying to figure out how to climb and how to get around and how to deal with this mountain. And God said, quit trying to figure it out and do what I say. What did you say, God? I said, tell it to get out of the way. So you're going to keep on struggling. You're going to keep on dealing. You're going to keep on being in misery because you won't allow yourself to get to peace because you're trying to play around with a mountain. Only a fool be trying to climb something God told to tell the move. And so what happens is that we get caught up in this place of trying to figure it out. And so what happens is when we do that, we have to be careful. Of what we say and how we say it because our words have power to them. You've heard the scriptures before. I ain't got to post them and print them. The Bible says that the power of life and death lies where? In a tongue. Your words are life. What you say has substance to it. Because you are a child of God, you have incredible power at your disposal. So you got to wield the sword of your words extremely carefully. 
And let me tell you, let me let me tell you, God gave me this analogy and it just blew my mind. Sometimes uh, I have an iPhone, Cameo phone. I have this iPhone, mine's bigger than <laughs> She got the little one, I got the big one. I have an iPhone, but in the iPhone, it has this fingerprint scanner, which allows me to be able to bypass the fingerprint, I mean, bypass typing in a password, and my finger will open it up. Same thing on my wife's phone. Uh, she got that. Yeah, she, yeah, she, the fake thing about that. Let me tell you, now that you got me, sometimes I press my phone, press that button, just to see what time it is. The problem that comes, though, is that if I press it with one of the fingers that are uh, 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 put into the sensor to recognize the unlocking, it doesn't just give me the time. It unlocks the whole phone and give me access to all of the benefits of the operating system. You didn't get it, so let me teach it to you real quick. What I'm telling you is that sometimes we just speak things out of our mouth thinking that you just clicking to see the time without understanding that your mouth is the same as a finger that's been programmed to the sensor. When you speak something, you unlock the full force and power of the operating system. So when you start speaking things negatively about your life, what you're doing, those are not hollow words. Why? Because everything has an ear. And the atmosphere begins to respond because you are a child of God with power of the tongue. The atmosphere starts responding to what you say. So you say dumb things. Because you're mad, because you're frustrated, because you're upset. You say things like, this ain't going to work, and guess what? It don't work. Because you told it not to. You say stuff like, uh, uh, he's a butt. And he is a butt. Because you called him that. You created it with your mouth. She get on my nerve. She does. Because you created it with your mouth. I'm not going to get that promotion. No, you're not. Because you done created it with your mouth. They're not going to approve me for this credit card. No, they're not, because you created it with your mouth. You are commanding the atmosphere, thinking that all you had to do was push it to see the time. But you unlocked all the power of the operating system. And so you have to be careful with the words that you use. You have to be careful that you don't say things idly. Uh, I remember um, uh, growing up, and people would always say, uh, and I and I used to say it too all the time. Ooh, she bad. Talking about uh, my daughter, or ooh, he bad. My son and my grandmother used to say, "Don't say he bad." I was just saying he bad. She bad. And she say, "Don't say that," because she knew something. That there will power in the words that you speak. When you talk about your kids, when you talk about your relationships, when you talk about your family, when you talk about your friends, be careful what you say because you create exactly what you say with your mouth because the atmosphere hears and they respond to your words because you are a child of God with power. So, God's thoughts are always better than our thoughts. That's the first point. The second point was that everything has the ear to hear, not just people. But the last thing I think is equally as important 
is that you have to be specific. Jesus, watch this, what he says. He says, tell the mountain to be thou removed and be thou cast into the midst of the sea. That's what the text says. To be thou removed and be cast into the midst of the sea. Jesus says, don't just tell it to move, but also tell it where it needs to go. You cannot allow people to be distractions to you. There are people who come into your path, into your life, and they can be there for just a moment and be such a distraction that they get you so off course of the things that you know you ought to be doing. But that was what their goal was. Their goal was an assignment by the enemy to discourage you, to get you distracted, to get you off kilter, to make you act out of character. And you, you know how we say, don't make me act no fool. Well, that's the whole goal. They want you to act a fool. Because they, when you act a fool, you might act a fool in front of somebody who you, you'd have been trying to witness to and tell them uh, about Jesus. And they go, ooh. Ooh. I act a fool all the time. <laughs> no, but, but, but people don't allow people to be distractions following you. Watch this. The only way to win in life is you have to love God and follow his concepts and precepts. I'm not talking about um, uh, this idea of being, oh, I, I love the Lord. He is uh, uh, my Lord and Savior. He, uh, uh, you know what? Because you don't have the real sign of your relationship and love to God ain't by the, uh, uh, how you put on the Christian look. It ain't all. It ain't all in all. What is really connected to is what God sees you do. I said in the Bible study earlier this morning that God says the way that folks know that you belong to me is because of your love. It's how you treat other people. And watch this: people will mistreat you with the goal of trying to incite you to mistreat them back. Because there's some people who are built for rejection. And so they want you to get them rejected so that you can, so they can say, see, I told you they were going to do this. I knew they wasn't right. I knew they wasn't serious about this. I knew they wasn't honest about that. See, what I'm telling you is that most of your mountains you will find are not things, but people. Most of your mountains that you will find in your life of people. But I'm going to tell you the biggest mistake we do is that we keep trying to perform CPR on something that's dead. We keep trying to revive something that's dead for a reason. Let the thing go. Let it die. It's supposed to be dead. <laughs> but we keep giving CPR. Come on, breathe! I've lost, uh, and to be honest, I don't count it as a loss, so let me rephrase that. I have the privilege of not having some people in my life that used to be. Uh, uh, my, my aunts be saying, where's, uh, you know, such and so? Uh, I ain't heard you talk about such and so. No, it's over. We ain't friends no more. For what? 
He wasn't worth it. I was putting way more in than I was getting out. He was causing me, because something, ooh, I was almost a little too transparent. I was going to say, well, now that's just who I am, so you don't say. So, but I'm going to tell you, he used to make me, just hearing his voice on the phone, he instantly made me cuss. Instantly. Every time I, every time I seen him, he'd walk in my house, and i just, just, let it die. That's my point. Stuff that ought to be dead. Quit trying to do CPR. But watch this. Wherever you tell the mountain to go, guess what? When you dispatch it, though, to the right place, it provides you the power that you need to win. I'm closing. Here's, let me tell you how. I said that the mountain stood in between the place of misery and peace. Right? That's where the mountain stood. Misery, mountain, peace. Jesus says, tell the mountain to move and tell it where to go. Cast into the midst of the sea. The reason why that's important is because the sea that the scripture is referencing is the sea of Galilee. The reason why Galilee is important is because, I taught you this before, but Galilee represents, in the Hebrew, in the Greek, uh, it, it represents circuit. It means circuit. It means power. In other words, the Sea of Galilee uh, acts like that plug right there that makes sure that the sound comes through the speaker. It provides this speaker power. Watch this. Woo! Thank you, Jesus. Watch this. He says, this thing that's blocking your peace, tell it to go to the place where it's no longer blocking your peace, but it can become a part of your power. In other words, tell it, instead of it being a problem for you, let it now become a power source for you. That's how your haters become your elevators, become your motivators, because they're no longer your problem, they're now your power. And so when we understand that if we're going to win it, we got to know what the construct of the game is. And that starts with understanding that God's thoughts are better than yours. You can't beat it. Can't beat it. His thoughts are better than yours. The second thing is that you have to understand that even your idle words can be heard, so be careful because everything has ears. I'm telling you how to win the game. And the last thing is you got to be specific. Don't just tell it to move, tell it where to go. You don't have no problem telling people where to go. You've told a whole lot of folks, and me too, exactly where they can step off. But guess what? That's what you need to do with the things that's blocking you from getting to Shalom. That's what you got to do for the things that's keeping you from having peace. I'm not going to cry no more tears over that thing. That's dead and gone. I ain't wasting no more breath trying to revive it. It's dead for a reason. You let it stay dead. Because there should be nothing that you sacrifice Shalom for. God says this year, 2016, is your place of peace. Is your time of shalom. Nothing missing, nothing lacking, nothing broken. And watch this, all is well. So 
So if you don't have all as well, it's time to get that mountain out of your way because it's blocking you from your peace. Amen. Amen. God bless you. Thank you. For giving me the opportunity to share with you this this morning. Um, if you wouldn't mind, please stand to your feet. Let's just um, go to God in prayer. God, we bless you and we thank you because your word for us today is the word of Shalom. It's that there is nothing that you don't desire for us to have in our lives. And so we thank you for that. We thank you that we don't even have to figure it out. All we got to do is walk down the path that you have shown us. You said, I will direct your path. And so, God, we thank you for the opportunity to be connected to you, to, to have the inside view of how to navigate life. We thank you for everything that you are and that you have done. In your son Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right.